In a lot of ways, it all starts now. You know, we've basically had a, a fantastic pre-season where we've sorted the selection of the squad out, sorted some problems in our game, know the problems that we've got, um, and now it comes the time for the squad to, to really gel together, to feel the responsibility of representing Australia, which is one of the reasons we've come up here. You know, the, the top end of Australia and then and then next to Arnhem Land is the, is where the civilization started. So I want the players to feel that responsibility and also yeah, have an opportunity to not only train hard in difficult conditions, but also have time to relax a bit in Darwin. And on that as well, with the makeup of the squad and some training needed to be done, a few guys a little bit walking wounded, Samu Karevi, Jordan Walisi, an update on some of the injured players? Yeah, well, Karevi won't, won't do much training up here. Same with Jordy. Um, but it's important they're part of the squad, and we've brought a couple of extras up in uh, uh, Fianga Falau and uh, James O'Connor to help fill the, the training vacancies. And you've also been quite bullish in saying that we can go and win the World Cup, and obviously this month is important. You've picked this squad, you've picked on youth. What's given you the confidence to be able to say those things? Oh, look, just the improvement we've made during the Rugby Championship. You know, we've basically taken away a lot of the structure of the team, so the games, the players are learning to play the game differently. Um, so we thought we'd have a bit of a fall-off. Probably not as pronounced as we thought, but we saw that in the, the first game against South Africa and then a bad loss to Argentina. Um, and then New Zealand, we saw an improvement in two weeks, you know, from going to be compete for, for 20 minutes to be dominant for 40 minutes, not compete, be dominant for 40 periods, 40 minutes and then we fell off after that. So we just need to build that capacity to keep doing the simple things well, keep playing our game with tactical discipline, with a, a attentional focus on what's important at that moment. Mate, thanks so much for your time and good luck with thanks, it. Thanks mate. So there he is, Wallabies coach Eddie Jones speaking with Stan Sports, Morgan Turanui at the squad announcement event up in Darwin where it was revealed he had dropped more than a few selection bombshells in naming his 33-man squad for the Rugby World Cup in France. Brett McKay with you for the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, powered by ASICS. And I'm joined by my regular Raw Rugby podcast co-host, Harry Jones, and the site's rugby editor, Christy Doran, for this special edition, Instant Reaction, after Eddie Jones named his Wallaby squad for next month's World Cup. Uh, Christy, Harry... Thanks for joining us. We've fired up the pod machine again. Feels like we kind of needed to. <laughs> that, that one surprised me on several levels, but I guess we're going to get into this in more detail. But that that was something. That was really something tonight. It was it was certainly something. Christy, you look like you've lost more hair since the last time we spoke, and that was only a week ago. So it's been one of those weeks. Yeah, hasn't it? It's been a long, probably 48 hours because you start to hear some of the whispers that are going around the, the rugby beat and you you add them all together and then you go to bed knowing quite a bit and then you wake up knowing even more and then there's a long wait before there was an announcement this evening in Darwin of all places and, and wow, haven't, uh, hasn't Australian rugby just changed in 24 hours? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Australian rugby is awfully confused uh, right at this point in time. Um, I've had to go back to two thousand three with my attire, but I've uh, I have to pull up the hairy man here in the certain suit and tie combination. I don't think we've ever been this formal. Yeah, this is, a, this is a very serious occasion. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I feel underdressed suddenly. I've, I've got rid of my irony. I'm just a literal suit-wearing man because I think you take Eddie Fair Jones enough. very literally. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. We will get into the chat in just a moment, um, but I wanted to kick this off with a simple one-word response to sum up your reactions to the squad. To the squad. So, what is the one word, Harry? Uh, pretty good 2027 team. <laughs> that's, that's an awfully long word. It's an awfully long word, okay, Christy. 27. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think it's an extraordinary squad, so I'd say extraordinary. Extraordinary. I'm going to say what because that <laughs> that I think is what a lot to Wallaby fans are saying right now after that squad. Um, and the squad is, let me go through it uh, for you all and for everyone listening as well. Uh, he's named six pro thirty three man squad. He's named six props: Angus Bell, Pone Farmasili, Zane Nongor, Blake Shop, James Slipper, Taniela Tupo. He's named three hookers, Matt Fessler, Dave Parecki, Jordan Uolese, four locks, Richie Arnold, Nick Frost, Matt Phillip, and Will Skelton, five back rowers, Lungy Gleeson, Tom Hooper, Rob Liotta, Fraser McWright, Rob Valentini, three scrum halves, Isaac Fines, Laliwasa, Tate McDermott, Nick White, only one fly half, Carter Gordon, that is, uh, four centres, Lalakai Fouchetti, uh, Samu Karevi, Isaiah Parisi, and Jordan Pattaya, and five outside backs, Max Jorgensen, Andrew Kellaway, Marika Korombete, Mark Nwanganitawase, Suliasi Vunavalu, and then two utility players in Ben Donaldson and Josh Kemeny. So 33 players in all, guys, 15 players with five tests or fewer, and at least one of those players in every one of those position blocks. So what stands out, Christy? What stands out to you from what you called an extraordinary squad? The thing that instantly caught my eye was this is, as Harry Jones has said, it's a, it's potentially the building blocks of a, a squad for 2027. And and I've got a couple of stats people that I know to draw up something from what France did. And it, to me, is a huge parallel between France 2019 when Fabian Galtier comes in ushers through a, a new generation and people were thinking, hang on a moment, there's a World Cup, you're getting rid of some of your experienced guys, what are you doing? But France between 2012 and 2018 won uh, 39%. In 2019, they won 58%. And since 2019, they've won 78%. And you look at the Wallabies between 2016 up until the start of this year, they've won 42% of games. It's just not enough. And and some of those guys that have been there for a long, long time, the Quade Coopers, the Michael Hoopers, they've been constants right throughout it. And we've heard Eddie Jones for ever since he returned, but particularly the last few weeks, about we need to change this mentality. And, and sometimes you've probably got to take some of the root causes out of that, those guys that have been those constants, to perhaps see that change. Harry? What did you buy? It's a deep irony as well because, um, you know, Eddie, Eddie made the World Cup his centerpiece when he was in England. He said, don't worry about these results because we're building towards this World Cup. Then he does the switch to Australia. And I think he said many a time, this is a smash and grab job. And to interpret all that, I think he actually took a sober assessment of his squad and thought, we're not going to win it anyway. And uh, and he couldn't say that publicly, but I think he thought that's not really going to win. We'll we'll lose gracefully in the semifinal with these old cats, or I can bring in the new cats. We'll make a semifinal anyway, and maybe we'll pull something out of the hat. I don't think he's not trying to win. He's not trying to not win, 
But I think he this this team says, no, we're not really going to do this. I'm defiant, though. I want to like I want to get get ready for 2027. Hamish and I have been talking about this. We have a big long plan. But there's no evidence that a 20 average cap team can win a World Cup, right? There's also no evidence that you can have guys like James Slipper and Nick White be the only core or spine of a team that wins the World Cup. I'm not even sure this team beats Argentina or England because of kicking, just simply goal kicking, right? Mm, uh, mm. A four-cap four pivot has not felt the pressure of making the kick. Ben Donaldson experienced that uh, last year and failed. And there's a there's a thing there's a there's a scar tissue you need you know to actually step up and be a Andre Pollard or an Owen Farrell yeah. or uh, uh, Dan Bigger you just have to have a almost no conscience so I think that's one angle the other angle is the captaincy which we haven't got into I mean well, Will, no we haven't yeah Will Skelton is was is is the shock the shock new captain that's got to be the headline Will Skelton has yeah. never been a talker he's not a guy who's going to make a big speech. I figure this is definitely a long-term plan of a placeholder, and then there'll be another captain emerge. Uh, Will's kind of, I would maybe he's not a yes man, but he would think of of Eddie as you know Uncle Eddie now as the Godfather. So I don't think he's going to give him any grief. Quaid might have, uh, a guy like Laurie Fisher would have, uh, Michael Hooper might, but I think um, there's that issue. Other one is size, guys. This is a big team. It is. He got rid of all the little guys. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, except for Nick White, but even the smallest forwards are not tiny. And um, there was already the biggest test pack in ages for the Bledisloes. This one could be even bigger. You could touch a thousand kilos with this uh, this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, goal kicking is. I only make three recognised goal kickers in that, and two of them you've mentioned: Harry Carter Gordon and Ben Donaldson. The other one's Nick White. Um, and um, yeah, I think. Carter Gordon is going to be a very good goal kicker in time. I've got no doubt about that. And yeah. even I can say the same thing about Ben Donaldson. They've played six tests between them. It's a massive ask. It is a massive ask right now that that that's that that's going to be the guys that that, that there is entrusted to. Christy, you've just come off the press conference with Eddie. What was the the, the summary of of events uh, out of out of that? One thing that will frustrate the living daylights out of not just the journos that are asking the questions but those that are wanting to find answers is that you never hear about the guys that don't make it quite he's just had this ever since he's walked back into australian rugby eddie jones he said look i'm only going to talk about the players that are here so it's unfortunate because you don't get to hear answers around why people like yelena katows aren't really there because and I asked him, I said, look. <laughs> well, 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 I said, well, injured, I can understand that. But what about guys like Jed Holloway? What about a guy like Ryan Lonigan who has not played a game of rugby since the Super Rugby semi-final now? Has not played yeah. at all. Well, and, and there's others you could go through with, with Tom Wright and this will go on and on. But you know, what, why have some players been picked if they're injured and other players haven't? Because we know that Max Jorgensen is still a couple of weeks away. Uh, Samu Karevi is not going to be training for a couple of weeks. Um, mm. Taniela Tupo is battling rib cartilage issues. So there's there's contradictions written throughout this. But what I could discern from that, and we heard Eddie speak about it on the stand coverage when he was asked around Michael Hooper, was that he was likely to be fit around the time of that French, French trial. So... Mm. Once again, why is Michael Hooper being left out if he's 
going to be mm. fit around the World Cup starting. We know that Brody Retallick's going to miss a couple of games, yet he's been taken. What I can discern from it is that Eddie Jones did not want Michael Hooper in his squad. And I think that's the case with a number of these players that I'm not saying that they were necessarily set up to fail, but I think that Eddie Jones didn't mind the fact that some players may have written their own uh, tombstones. You know, and, and it's brutal, it's so harsh to say, but there's some players I think there that Eddie Jones is quietly relieved, might maybe picked up a little injury here or there so that it was a nice excuse to say, you know what, you're not going to be there. Oh, gee. Had they have won three of the last four games, I could maybe go along with that, but I think that's an ex- extraordinary way of thinking about it if it's, if it's accurate. Was he? Did he try and give any explanation as to as to what has changed in the last four days, because as recently as Saturday afternoon, he was still saying we're good enough to win this world cup. So (laughs) what on earth has, did he, did he try and say in that press conference situation to tell Wallaby fans that this squad that he's just announced with so many bombshells in it is the squad now to win a world cup. Well, he's saying two things. He's saying, I can, we can win the world cup with this one, but he's also saying, Hang on, but we're also looking for 27. And and I've been told from a number of sources that for the first time in a while, they're going to be working backwards. And they are working backwards from 2027. And, and it's almost like this year, and I'm not sure if this was always the plan when Eddie Jones returned, but this year was a free swing. If they did well, great. And if they didn't, then we've still got to be backing the youth coming through in 50-50 scenarios. There's only five blokes that are older than 30. Like that's extraordinary. Yeah, it's such a yeah, it's such a yeah. small and low number, and, and and half the team is under the age of twenty five. So uh, Eddie, he wasn't as bullish. That's for sure. Certainly wasn't as bullish around their hopes uh, at the World Cup. But you can see that there's you know the Max Jorgensons. Why are they there? Well, in part because of I think experience, but but also the fact that you know he did catch his eye throughout Super Rugby. Isaac Fines. I was at a, a catch-up, casual catch-up with Eddie in May, and and Eddie said Isaac Fines is a is a baller. He likes the look of him. The, the, the fact that he pops okay, out of great. Why didn't he pick him a month ago then? Why, yeah, so, why has Ryan, Ryan Lonigan been left in a squad for six weeks, yeah. holding tackly bags and basically wasting his time? But there, there is evidence for Eddie doing the sort of drive-by selection mentality in england he i don't know how many players he went through but he's got a sort of a look at this guy and then walk down the hall and go well that mm-hmm. guy looks he looks strong i like the way he picked up the that you know that box and so boom he's in or walk through and go uh, i'm a shower coach that guy has a good body he's in i mean even on our pod he said you know <laughs> jordan mattia has got a great body basically and uh, tom hooper you know, that's a big strong lad there's a bit of a um arbitrariness about eddie uh, and I think that sometimes explains his selections. I look, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I think he believes it will. Um, but in my mind, in my heart of hearts, I think he's already decided we're not really going to win the conventional way. Like there's two mm-hmm. templates, one, the French way, the rebuild, like Chrissy's saying. And I think that's, that's apt. Also, he lost to the Springboks and he might be obsessed with that. So Rossi and Jock came in one year before. And they weren't trying to win 2019. They actually said, we're not going to win 2019. This is all about 2023. And then they won anyway. And he might be kind of obsessed with that. Like, what did they do? I think the difference is he didn't put enough caps in this thing because Rossi and Jacques did have a core 
yeah. from Heineke Meyer that he retained. And so you could put, you know, an actual spine on the field and then throw in the Mapimpis and the arms to augment it. So I think yeah. that's where he might have missed a trick. I think he picked the wrong Arnold. I think he should have had one more lock. Uh, I'm not really down with this utility forward thing. Just put an actual yeah. lock in there because you always need more locks. Yeah, yeah. So on the numbers, he's used 36 players in four tests this year. He's had, by my count, 64 players in squads yeah. before before today. Yeah. Before today. So he's he's gone through an awful lot of players already. What else? Um, what, what were the other uh, highlights and, and points of note out of the, the presser, Chris? Oh, look, I think... Will Skelton's and, and Harry Jones has, has touched upon it, but isn't it, it's a great story from a guy that didn't even think that he was going to be in this World Cup mm. squad, not necessarily think he was ever going to play for the Wallabies again. So some nice, nice comments on on him, um, particularly. But it was a strange press conference because I feel like usually the you know you're you're there, you're on the ground, but given the and this was this comes back to the heart of how much Eddie Jones is doing things on a whim. Up until two weeks ago, they didn't even know where this World Cup squad was going to be announced. And the fact that it was in Darwin, players didn't know where they were going. Players didn't even know until very late at night whether or not they were in and out. And in some cases, players that have played a lot of caps had to actually call Eddie Jones to ask, am I in the squad or not? And what's the reason? Wow. And, Serious? And yeah, and there's a lot of angry people out there that are going, well, hang on, like... But, but even Eddie Jones himself has just come back from England, I'm told, and I was told that yesterday. And this is, it's all, there's a lot of moving parts and it kind of fits into this smash and grab kind of job, but there's a lot going on at the moment and there's no necessarily plan. And I know that you guys have touched upon it in the past, but the high performance nature of this seems like, wow, there's a lot of moving parts and, and no one's quite in control. Yeah. Hey, guys, what do, you, what do you think is the unluckiest uh, cut here? And then also on the Gitto rule, where are we on overseas picks? I forgot to look at that. Uh, five, cool. I think is four, is it? Oh, four on the, yeah, yeah, four on the field. Yeah, right. Um, Who, who's the unluckiest? Unluckiest? Oh, oh, I've mentioned Ryan Lonigan already, and I, I'm, I'm genuinely gutted for him because he never got a chance to show what he can do in – any of the four, last four tests didn't get sent back to play for Australia. A even uh, I don't think he's played for his. I said before he hasn't played a game. I don't think he's played for. He's come back to Canberra and played for Tuggeron in the last in the last month or so. He's had literally no chance to show what he can or can't do, yeah. and that evidently has cost him. Now Isaac finds Lully Wasser is an excellent player. I, I need to state that very very clearly. He it, look. I actually love that he's been included. Um, but why wasn't he there six weeks ago? Like mm. he could have played three tests by now if if he was going to be the, going to be the guy. I I don't get that. I honestly don't get that. So I mean, oh, I think there's a number of very unlucky players. But I'm I'm really really disappointed for Ryan Lonigan. I th I think Ryan Lonigan could have sold to kicking crisis as well because that's oh, what it is. Absolutely, he, he's a fine goal kicker. He's got. The, the Brumbies hold him at such high esteem that he's thought of as a long-term captain for the Brumbies. Yeah. There's a reason why Nick White was moved on from the Brumbies. And he's got a great pass, probably the best pass in your halfback in Australia 
puts width on the board or gives someone like a Carter Gordon extra time. Uh, and you compare that to a Tate McDermott who's probably got arguably the worst past in Australia, great other threats around the rack. But that is a huge, huge call. I agree. I think Ryan Lonigan is desperately unfortunate. Oh, I think Pete Sama is another one that yeah, probably yeah, Um And he's a guy that has – I don't necessarily rate him as a, as a starting seven or, or necessarily in the back row, but he offers so much off the bench and has for the Crusaders. Has perfect number 20. He's a perfect number 20 at test level. Yeah, and he's proved it, uh, he proved it against the French, the Irish, the box. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, it's Quade Cooper. It's so hard to drag yeah. yourself back from uh, Achilles – injury at that age the dedication he showed the good heart the team uh attitude he showed uh, the way he mentored young guys um he absolutely is not the third or fourth best no. in australia he's, he's at one he's one or two and i think he's still better than uh, carter at this point in his career and okay. it would have been nice to see him get that one more world cup I, I, I'm not sure about this, but it just seems like there was some personality conflicts there or something. Maybe he's too zen now for Eddie. Maybe Eddie wants someone to throw things. <laughs> Maybe needs a harder edge, yeah. Look, I, I, wonder, I wonder about a guy like Bernard Foley who who kept his training up over his off-season on the chance. He played for Australia A. He started for Australia A against Tonga, and that wouldn't have been, oh, well, let's just see how we go. I mean, he could have gone played for uni if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah, happy to run around in Sydney. I don't think Eddie ever really liked. No, no, maybe not. This, um, you know, I I don't really know what Jed Holloway has. He might have had a disappointing game, maybe against Argentina, but he he can do a job. He can do a job pretty consistently. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of all this. What's the what's the logistics? How's the camp up in Darwin and Arnhem Land going to work for the next few days, Christy? Well, four, four days up there, and and yeah. you know tomorrow there's a lot of the community engagement, and then I think they start the, the ground and hit the ground running uh, a day towards the back end in Arden Land. Uh, but once again, these things were arranged and organised very late. And the extraordinary thing about that is the fact that they've known that they're going up to Darwin since about April, uh, even before that, the middle of March. The Australian schoolboys was announced to us that that from Eddie who revealed that they were going to be having this camp up there. So I don't know how in five five months, four months later, that it's still there's so much uncertainty around things. But, look, it will be giving them a good opportunity to get away, and I don't mind that. We need Australian rugby to spread into different regions of the country, particularly places like the Northern Territory that don't have many heroes to look up to. I think it's great classic qualities get right across, and we've seen some great footage Guys like Radiki Samu passing balls to, to kids across the, the territory there. And I think there's nice. some awesome imagery there. But uh, they they come back to Sydney for a couple of days before they're off on the 17th. So it's in a week's time. So it'll all happen very, very quickly. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Harry, what does Eddie Jones need to get right then in this next week before the squad heads to France? Well, what always tripped him up in the past was a lack of redundancy. I mean, obviously, he knows his stuff. He's a good rugby coach. He knows what he's looking for. But I think it's about finding that second layer. There, things will go wrong. They always do in World Cups. You know, the, the Stephen Donald, white bait thing. There's but, no, ben Darwin said it just this week. You need, yeah, but, you need white bait redundancy. And there is no white bait redundancy in this team. And that's, yeah, but, I think yeah. that's what people are most concerned about. 
but beyond that, beyond injury, what if Carter Gordon does miss three kicks in a row yeah. and it's against Fiji and it's, you know, on the line? Like, it, you need to have an exact plan. What if there's cards? Will there be cards for the Wallabies? You know, that's like uh, death and taxes. So Almost what happens when there's a card and, you know, what's the reshuffle, the back line? And I think that sometimes Eddie just plays it off like no big deal. But I really – I think he needs to get those um, scenario plans really lined out. Who is my backup of this and who's the backup of that? Yeah, yeah. That's good planning. That's good planning. Look, I think he needs to work even harder on his cell job than he's been working over the last eight months because the socials and even just the commentary on the Raw already um, – since the squad's being announced, is telling me that there's a lot of Wallabies fans out there that are simply asking, what the bloody hell has just happened um, after this announcement? Because there's so much confusion as to what we've just seen over the last four tests and change of tax and change of game plans and change of personnel. And all that's been discarded and we're just going to go completely, we're just lodging up a, a whole new set of sales. And it's it's hard to keep track of things. And we'll all get behind this squad because... That's what Wallaby fans do. We want the Wallabies to do well. But, gee, there is a lot of people out there scratching their heads right now trying to find the logic in this late change of tack from Eddie Jones. So, oh, I, I still don't know what to make of it. Hey, this is the largest rugby test captain ever. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of X's on that blazer, isn't there? I'll, I'll say one thing, and, and, and we won't dwell on it, but we've spoken about who's the most unfortunate person to miss selection. I think it would be remiss to go, and you're talking about it now there, Brett, with some of the question marks. I don't think there's too many across the squad, but there is one glaring one, which is Suli Asi Punavalu. And, and, and he's a big, big selection when you're trying to say that you're also looking to 2027 and you've got a guy like Punavalu there who's just not been able to get out of fourth gear or third gear or year. And hasn't he hasn't really gotten that high. He has not gone to fourth gear or year. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, oh, fair play to him, good on him, you, and congratulations. But it is probably the head-scratching selection that contradicts the entire squad that's mm, been named. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, a guy like Tom Wright was made the scapegoat, and he would be the first to admit he had two pretty ordinary tests lost his spot for the Bledisloe, and now he's been told he's not even good enough to beat a guy who didn't play. And I don't know. I, I, the bit, messages don't get much more mixed than that. It's it's extraordinary. Guys, look, thanks very much. It has been great to get your insights. Uh, I don't know if we've answered too many questions. We've probably asked more than <laughs> people are asking themselves, but it has been great to, to go through it all. Thanks to you both. Cheers. Well, good to see Harry Jones suited up. <laughs> he's made it he's certainly made it a formality it has all started and we'll see even more fallout tomorrow and over the weekend on the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate home of all your favorite international rugby analysis opinions and conversations thanks so much for your company harry and i'll be back on tuesday morning australian time for another great episode of the raw rugby podcast powered by asics where we'll attempt to answer some of these sudden and unexpected questions with another very special guest 